0: Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased immediately from raging. We see here that when Jonah surrendered, the sea and the storm surrendered. You know, sometimes God quiets the, the storm, but other times he lets the storm rage and quiets his child. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly. We see here something really interesting about God. He was willing to, to put the entire crew at, at risk just to reach one. And the lengths that God would go to reach just one wayward child is absolutely incredible. Amazing! I want to read Isaiah 53 and verse 4. I'm going to read it from the ESV, though. I want want you to listen to something you may not know about God. But when I read this scripture, it was like lightning struck my heart, and a confidence arose like 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 I really hadn't had before. And it came from this verse. It said this, because you are precious in my eyes and honored or valued, and I love you. I will give men in return for you. As God gave up the whole nation of, of Egypt to set the Israelites free, there is no cost too high for God to pay for you and me. No, God loves the church like, like it's, it's kind of almost an insane type of love. And it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense How many of y'all remember that song, When a Man Loves a Woman? Yeah. God's love for for his people reminds me a lot like that song. The song goes, when a man loves a woman, can't keep his mind on nothing else. He'll trade the world for the good thing he's found. Now, I'm not going to try to sing, but I'm going to read the words. They said, if she's bad, how many of y'all been bad? He can't see it. She can't do no wrong. Turn his back on his best friend if he puts her down. Y'all know the song. But this is God's heart toward his people. Watch this. He said, I give men in return for you. Peoples in exchange for your life. God would give up an entire nation if that's what it took to get you and I what we need. You know, right now as a church we are facing very, very real issues. Some of them financial, other of them related to, to personnel and some logistical, on and on. But what I, what I keep hearing God say to me and he's saying to this house, whatever the situation requires, I got you. I got you. I got you. If God has to shut down an entire nation to take care of this church, my God, got me. Jonah 1 and 17. Now the Lord prepared. Don't ever underestimate what God has prepared for those he loves because you might end up being a little bit embarrassed because 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9 says, eyes have not seen. Ears have not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man. What God has prepared for those who love him. Does anyone in this room love him, love him right now? Yeah. That qualifies you. A two and one in verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish. Now we don't know if it was a, a sperm whale. It's possible. Maybe it's supposed to be a picture there. That's a sperm whale. Maybe it was a whale shark. We're going about to show you a whale shark right there. That's a whale shark. And you can see that a man could fit in, in that, that, that mouth. But you see, Scripture was not concerned about the particular species of the fish. Mm-hmm. Just the fact that God specially prepared it. You see, faith does not try to make all things conventional. Mark 9 and 23 says, faith makes all things possible. So we can't can't say how God's going to do it, but if God promised, he will get it done. If it takes a special fish, if it takes the most unlikely of creatures. You know, in the 16th century, a a fisherman, Frenchman, found a full suit of armor. He was out there fishing. He caught a, a shark. And in that shark's belly was his full suit of armor, as well as the remains of the, the knight inside the belly of the great white shark. By the way, while I'm on this point, this is a really important point. What do you call a bear without teeth? Gummy bear. Okay, okay. I just, I just wanted to see if y'all awake this way. is another really important, really, really important point. What do you call a shark without teeth? Jaws. Okay. Okay. I got to keep my day job. But, But here's the deal. Even if God had to create the first jawless great white in history, God would do whatever it took to reach his child. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish. And when we run from God, in one way or another, you're going to always find yourself swallowed up by some set of circumstances. He was in his belly of a fish for three days and three nights, meaning Jonah's rescue took a few days. So your deliverance might take a little bit of time, too. But you got to hang on and keep believing because help is on the way. But it took him three days or four days and three nights, three days or four nights. You know what the Bible says. Three days and three nights. Forgive me. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord. No sin is too great or predicament too hard for our God to turn around. Watch this. He prayed from the fish's belly. What you do in the middle of it, what you do while you're in the thick of it, will determine whether or not you ever come out of it. While he was in the middle the belly of the beast, he cried out to God. And a lot of us, they say, well, well, if God cared, I wouldn't be here. While he was in the middle of it, while he was in the thick of it, he lifted his eyes to heaven. we've said he cried out to the Lord because of my or his affliction. Fight all your battles on your knees and you'll win every time. He said, I cried out to God, and sometimes life got to hit you bad before you pray the way you ought. He said he cried out, and here's the amazing part. Jonah had behaved badly, but we're about to discover God still answer. God still hears a sinner's prayer. He said, I cried out to God because of my affliction, and he answered me. There is hope in this book. There is hope for you and for me." And he said, out of the belly of Sheol was the Hebrew for the grave. In other words, Jonah was a goner. He was in and out of consciousness. He he was as good as dead, but he said, I cried out to God, though you're as good as dead, though you think you're going if you cry out to God, get off the phone. Bottle down. Cry out to the only one who cares. The Bible said he cried out. It wasn't a little cute church prayer. I'm sure at that moment there were tears flowing, and his his hair was was moving, and his lips were quivering. And the Bible said he cried out in his affliction, and God answered, and out of the belly of his pain. God heard. You see, the Christian does not believe that God loves him and hears him because he's good, but that God is making us good because he loves us. If you can understand that, you finally understand the gospel. God don't fix it because you're right. He don't fix it because you deserve it. He doesn't fix it because you earned it. He fixes it because Jesus earned it. Jesus bought it. Jesus purchased it. I don't go to him in my name. Complete waste of time. I go to him in a name above every name that can be named. And because of that name, he hears me. My faith is not in me. It's in him. For you cast me in the deep. Now, we know from the text it was the sailors that actually threw him into the sea. But but Jonah recognized it was God working through men. And don't get bitter because somebody threw you overboard. Maybe it was because God had a better way to get you to where you were going. For you cast me. Into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me, and all your billows and your waves passed over me. The will of God is not always pleasant, but it's always right. God brings us through troubled waters not to drown us, but to cleanse us. I'm preaching good to somebody in this room. Then I said, I got honest with myself. I said, I, I've been cast out of your sight. Meaning, Lord, I, I, even though I have the title prophet, I've been out of fellowship for a long time. Even though they see me down at the, the, the church house, you really know what's been going on in, in, in my, my, my heart. And, and his rebellion had impacted his fellowship with God. But here's the deal. God never stopped loving Jonah. He just stopped enjoying Jonah. See, I'm sure none of y'all experienced this picture we're about to see. there, There it is. But have you ever loved a person whose attitude took all the fun out of it? And this was God's situation with Jonah. And sometimes it's God's situation with you and me. Yet, the Hebrew reads as if there's a, there's a whole lot of passion and, 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 and ardor and feeling in this yet term. It, it really says yet as if to say, I only had one option left. So he decided, he said, and what you say to yourself when you're in the middle of it matters. Every now and then I have a conversation with myself. Boy, what you doing? Come on, come on. But, but, you so downcast? Why are you so disheartened? Why are you so discouraged? Hope thou in God. Isn't God alive? Is there a God? Is there a bomb in Gilead? Is all that stuff you've been preaching real? Every now and then I got to talk to myself. He said, yet I will look again toward your holy when God is all you have left, you are left with all you need. You yeah. you he said, the waters surrounded me, even to my soul. So he wasn't just overcome on the outside, but on the inside. He said, the deep Clothes around me, life was suffocating and the waters and circumstances were sucking the life and the breath out of his lungs. It said weeds were wrapped around my head. Meaning Jonah must have sunk to the bottom of the sea before the fish came to help. You know, sometimes God has to let us stew in our juices, not because he's mean, but we need to realize what we really taste like. And verse 6 says, I went down. Remember from last week in Jonah 1 and 3, he went down to Joppa. And then in in 1 and 5, he went down to the lowest part of the ship. And then uh, about in verse 15, he was thrown down into the water. But finally, Jonah hits bottom. He said, I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth, which its bars closed behind me forever. He felt locked in. He was barred in by the mountains and and, and the earth, meaning there there was no way out. Yet you have brought my life up from the pit. When no one else was there to help, love lifted me. He said, when my soul fainted within me, even when I, 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 I gave up on myself, the Lord didn't give up on me. He said, "When my soul was giving up, I, I remembered and how soon and how easily we forget when life is going well." He said, "I remember the Lord, and, and, and amazingly, even though I deserved to be in that fish, I deserved to be in the mess I was in yet. My prayer went up to you into your holy temple. He realized that even though everything seemed over his head, everything over his head was still under God's feet. And then he came to a realization. is the whole point I've been preaching toward this morning. He realized the situation, moment of illumination. He said those, and this is the lesson of the book, those who regard worthless idols. You may not have little statues in your house, but anything, anything that competes for final authority in your life is an idol. We must not let any allegiance, any philosophy, orientation, identity, and in this particular case, a justified dislike of other people undermine our submission to God. He said, here's his confession, here's his teaching point those who regard, give weight to, worthless. You see, in Anything, including what happened to you when you were six. Anything, including what happened in your last relationship. Anything is worthless compared to God's ability to reward and repair. Those who regard worthless, we elevate what happened in our last church. We elevate there's this one disappointing situation. So it becomes the, the, the lens through which we see the rest of our life. You have just made an idol out of that thing. Because my prayer, Lord, help me see as you see. Yes, yes, yes. Not as my circumstances dictate. And that's why the devil put that circumstance in your life. Because we wanted to tempt you to use it as your box that you would live in for the rest of your life. I've heard stories of great African elephants, huge animals. And from the time they were babies, they were chained to to, to little bitty spikes. And because all throughout that elephant's youth, he couldn't get loose. By the time he was grown, and actually had the strength to pull up that little spike, he no longer tried. Because the prison at that point was no longer in the chain and the spike, it was in his mind. And you see the problem with the elephant is the elephant don't forget. And he relives yesterday over and over and over and over and over. And we stay trapped because we stay pegged to things maybe were tough in one season, but God has matured you. God has put something on the inside of you. And if you dare try again, you'll discover your strength but our prison remains in our our minds. He said, those who regard worthless idols forsake, meaning God never abandoned Jonah. Jonah abandoned God. It was his regard for idols that caused him to forsake their own what? Mercy. Someone said this, and it's important. I I want to read it. He said, holding a grudge does not make you strong. It makes you bitter. That's all it does. Forgiving doesn't make you weak. It just sets you free. And his grudge against the Ninevites was stronger than his love for God. And some of our grudges against Christians, grudges against, you know, family members, grudges, uh, you know, because some didn't go quite the way you want. It's stronger when push comes to shove. When God said, well, he said to Peter, he said, Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep. He said, Peter, this ain't about my sheep. Peter, this is not even about you. It's about if you love me, it's between me and you. Go and tend to my people. But the things in life and things people done, we often care about more than God. But here's the deal. When you stand before Jesus, who carried our sins, who was beaten for my sins. I mean, a a guy that had every excuse. Now, listen, when when they did me wrong, I wasn't 100% innocent. But with Jesus, completely innocent, taken for granted and advantage of, but he still looked at us with loving eyes. Says, anyone who looks to the Son of Man shall be saved. From the cross spoke of mercy and forgiveness. What excuse are you going to have when you stand before your Jesus about that person you won't let go? That person just did something so bad to you. Did he nail you to a cross? Did he beat you with a cat of nine tails? Did he make you cry out, my God, my God? Did he leave you for dead? Sometimes we just need a little bit of perspective. He said, I realized my problem. I made things too big in my life. My offense, my prejudice, my bigotry, my hatred for the Ninevites. I made it too big. And Lord, I shrunk you too small. I see it, God. So now this is what I'm going to do. I will sacrifice to you. He didn't say, if you give me out, Lord, I'll give you praise. In the middle of it, he said, I will sacrifice to you. God, I deserve what I'm getting right here. But, Lord, in the middle, I will sacrifice to you. With the voice of thanksgiving, he didn't wait and praise God when the battle was over. He worshiped while it was still raging. The Bible said he worshiped while he was still drowning. He worshiped while seaweed was still wrapped around his head. To come out of the storm, you got to worship through the storm and in the middle of your storm. And then he said, Lord, I'm not blaming you. It's me. I will pay what I vowed. Jonah sung some of the songs we sung when he was a young man. I surrender all, I surrender all. all, to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. He sang all them songs, but then life happened. The Ninevites happened. Here's something I know. Resentment is an inside job. What you do to me is your job. But resentment is always an inside job. And don't give anyone ever that much power over your life, that much control. To make you bitter, to make you old, your face looking like a prune and you just 35. You, you, you can't keep food down because you're just so angry, there's so much acid in your system. You're taking medicine because of what some food did. You just gave that person authority in your life. 15 years later, he's still reaching. She's still reaching into your life, controlling your emotions. Don't ever give nobody that amount of control over you. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.